Welcome to the sermon podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who hath made heaven and earth. These are the closing words of Psalm 124, which Deaconess Annette led us in this morning in our Psalter lesson. And these words really embody an overall theme that can be found in our lessons today. That of God being our power. And our identity coming from God's help and from God's grace and not from ourselves. In our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 18, we find Jesus telling the parable that we know as the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector. And therein Jesus paints a picture of two different individuals. The one, a Pharisee, who looked to himself and he looked to his own deeds to stand before God. And the other was the tax collector who recognized his own unworthiness and was left only to look for God's mercy in his life. God, be merciful to me, a sinner is what he says. And in our epistle lesson, St. Paul speaks of himself. Paul was a a great Pharisee, like as in Jesus' parable. But he says, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. But by grace, God's grace, I am what I am. And in light of this theme, I was drawn to the closing words of Psalm 124 in a different way. And this morning, I want to take a few minutes for us to meditate on these words. Our help is in the name of the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. First and foremost... If I were to ask what it means to say that, I think most of us would say that the psalmist was speaking about the power and the might of creation. And I guess I shouldn't say the power of creation itself, like the power of water itself or the power of wind itself, but rather the power of the creator based on what we see in creation. I mean, what greater description of God's omnipotence, of his being all-powerful, is there than that of being the maker and the creator of heaven and earth? Each week we confess it in our creeds. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. There is none past, present, or future, that can lay claim to that. There is no other that can say, I have put the stars in the sky, or I have created the dry land, or I have given the breath of life to every creature. There is none that can say that they have created all the ranks of the heavenly hosts, that they have dominion over the angels and the archangels and the dwellers in the unseen realm. None of us can make such a claim. And so as we behold the skies, as we see the heavenly realms and ponder them, as we behold the vastness of the seas or the creatures that inhabit the lands, as we think of those angels who are given charge and care over us, as we think of all those gathered around the throne of God in heavenly worship, then we know that there is no greater help that we have than the one who has created it all. I mean, to think otherwise, well, it really would be idiocy. 
For why would we want to put our trust in anything or anyone less than the one who is the greatest? Or as the Psalms say elsewhere, and I paraphrase, don't put your trust in horses. Don't put your trust in chariots. Don't put your trust in in men or in princes. Put your trust in God. And so it would make sense to think of these words of Psalm 124 in this way. It's a great summary of God's protection and power. And I even preached a whole sermon on it a few years ago. But yet, there's another interesting aspect and perspective to think about with this psalm and with these words in particular. Psalm 124 is known as a psalm of ascent or a psalm of steps. There are 15 such psalms, Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. And they're short, and they're pointed in their thinking and their expression. And they're called psalms of ascent or psalms of steps because of the concept of ascending the steps in Jerusalem. These particular psalms were recited either as the people ascended up the mountain to Jerusalem for the three major feasts each year, Or they would be said by the priests as they ascended the 15 steps from the court of women to the proper temple of the Lord. 15 psalms for 15 steps, pausing at each one to reflect upon their words and their meaning. I mean, I guess you could say a a similar practice we have is like a funeral. As our prayer book states, the priest is to process before the coffin into the church or to the grave. And while doing so, he's to recite several different verses from the scriptures. It's also like we do with morning or evening prayer. We begin our worship with the recitation of sentences or different verses from the scriptures, such as, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Well, that's what these psalms were. They were processional psalms as one came to the temple of the Lord. And so it's with this in mind that we consider those words, our help is in the name of the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. Not only in the sense of creation, but as it relates to the temple and what occurred there. One cannot read the Old Testament or do any kind of study of the Israelites and miss the fact that the tabernacle, or later the permanent temple, depicted the cosmos the whole of everything created. And I can't go through it all this morning, but suffice it to say, the temple depicted and patterned all aspects of creation. It was depicted in its colors. It was depicted in its art and its carvings. It was depicted in the way that it was laid out. It was depicted in its contents. But beyond just the visual of the physical and earthly realm... It was also known that the temple was the place of God's presence, of the heavenly and unseen realm. Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple truly makes an inseparable connection between the temple on earth and God's throne room in heaven. And God himself said that the holy of holies would be his dwelling place amongst them. Actually, another name for the temple in Hebrew was Beshem meaning the house of the name. It harkened back to the fact that God said his name would dwell there. And so it's interesting to hear the way that the psalm is worded, 
Our help is in the name of the Lord. Or as we sing each week from another psalm, our help cometh in the name of the Lord. Saying name of the Lord isn't so much just referring to God in general, or simply invoking God's name in a prayer like, God help me, as much as it is referring to the place and the act of worshiping God in the tabernacle and temple. And it was for all these reasons that in Jewish times they described the temple as the navel of the earth and the gateway of heaven. And the temple itself was known poetically, prophetically, and apocalyptically as heaven and earth. My point here being that the phrase heaven and earth mustn't always be thought of merely as the physical universe. It simply doesn't mean, or it certainly does mean the physical cosmos, but it can also mean the place, the means, and the worship by which God and his people are united. And that can shed a different light and a deeper understanding on this psalm of ascent. As the worshipers climbed the stairs, coming closer and closer to the city wall where the temple was, or as the priests ascended step by step to the temple proper. They would sing back and forth in a responsive way those words, Our help is in the name of the Lord who has made heaven and earth. The cosmos? The universe? Absolutely. But perhaps most pointedly, that which was in front of them who has made the very place they were coming to, the place wherein they could come and worship him, where they could enter into his presence, and where God has established his throne and power before them and all the world. The Psalms often have a poetic imagery and understanding to them. And in the case of the ascents, there is this inseparable connection between the temple and worship of God and their understanding and praise of God's might and God's power and God's incredible care of his people. Or to put it as simply as I can put it, worship is power. Or say it backwards, there is power in worship. The great psalmist Asaph expressed this same thought and truth. In Psalm 73, he said that he had pretty much despaired. He used the words, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. He had reached the end of his rope. Wicked people prospered, righteous people didn't. It seemed as almost there was no sense in remaining faithful to God. But then he said the words, until I went into the sanctuary or the temple of the Lord. It was when he went into the temple, when he went into God's worship, that he learned of the presence and the power and the work of God. And it changed his whole perspective. In worship, the eternal, the heavenly, the divine is made manifest, and it lifted his heart. And Asaph ended that psalm by saying, but it is good for me to draw near to God. And that statement is true for us as we come into the Lord's house in worship. Beloved, God has called us as his people. And he's brought us into his worship through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the whole of our worship, especially the daily worship and the the culminating worship of the Holy Communion each Sabbath, is to be our constant power and strength. 
The Sabbath return to Eden that occurs in this place. The eating anew of the tree of life in the sacrament brings to us the ever-sustaining, ever-protecting, ever-providing hand and power of God. It's here that we find God's grace. It's here that we find God's strength. It's here that we find God's help. It's here that we find the true power of God. So friends, let us ascend this day and every Lord's Day to the temple and worship of God, proclaiming forever with the psalmist, our help is in the name of the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.